Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to episode 39 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bennett. Hello, Bennett. Hello. Omari is not here with us due to scheduling con- uh, conflict, so, you know, that's sucky, but the show must go on. Um, not too much going on today around the world. Uh, well, today. In this past week, around the world of Seattle sports, besides our Seattle Seahawks and a couple little tidbits here and there, let's just get into it. Uh, and prior to game information for a resident gridiron football team, uh, over the past week, the team signed head and Luke Wilson and linebacker Ray Ray Armstrong to the practice squad. These are two guys that have really been uh, sort of on and off the practice squad and the team in general. Uh, so it's not like any sort of surprise to see those guys back. Um, DJ Dallas, Jason Stanley were out, announced out on Friday, uh, as well as Carlos Hyde on Saturday due to an illness that's not COVID-related. Uh, that's why he was not playing in that game on sun- Sunday. Uh, Brandon Shell, Demarius Randall were placed on the COVID-19 slash reserve list as contact tracing caution. They do not have, oops, knock on wood, it's not known that they have COVID. It was that they were around somebody, uh, sort of an exposure thing. So there's playing and safe there. Uh, and then Penny Hart, Alex Collins, and Alex Boone were all called up from the practice squad for this game. Alex Collins uh, is a name to remember there for here in a second. And then cornerback Trey Flowers is activated off of IR. Uh, the game day inactives included running back DJ Dallas, running back Carlos Hyde, uh, cornerback Jason Stanley, guard Mike Upati, uh, tight end Greg Olson, and defensive end Jonathan Bullard, who kind of seems to be riding that game day inactive. Uh, seems to be just on every week's game day inactive list. Uh, game week recap. This is a very – it was very bizarre – uh, because the 49ers were playing in Arizona in State Farm, uh, is it Arena? State Farm's, uh, they're playing on the Cardinals st- field. Um, and the Seahawks were wearing their home blue uniforms. I don't know why. It was probably the 49ers wanted to wear their white ones, but, you know, it, a little confusing there. Um, so I, I will refer to them as the Arizona 49ers for this game just because they were playing there. <laughs> In Arizona. Uh, in the first quarter, Jason Myers would start the scoring off with his for the Seahawks with a 36-yard field goal with two minutes and nine seconds left in the first. Pretty bland opening quarter there. Uh, and after that one period, the Seahawks would lead three to nothing. Uh, in the second quarter, it would be Jason Myers again who would start the scoring <coughs> off in this quarter uh, with 927 left before the half from a 30 yards out to give the Seahawks a six to nothing advantage. And then former Washington Husky kicker Tristan Vizcano uh, in his first NFL game, uh, nailed a 36-yard field goal with 25 seconds left before the half. And uh, that first one he came out, I was like, wait a minute. I, I saw this guy kick in college. Um, <laughs> he, he just, I mean, the, the spoiler alert, he gets another one, at least another one. Um, but those were, they, they, had a, they had some good velocity on him. Um, and he kicked his, his three, 36 yard field goal with 20 seconds left for the half. So he would get the incredibly high scoring, uh, high scoring score of Seahawks six, 49ers three. Really uh, intense offense there. Um, God, just terrible. Uh, and the third quarter would start off with a start the scoring off when Tristan Vizcano would nail a 47 yard field goal with 936 to go before that fourth quarter. Um, 
and he would score another field goal from 33 yards out with 639 left in the third to give us a 9-6 49ers lead going into the fourth quarter. You know, if you like kickers and you're a special teams guy, then those first three quarters were really for you because ay 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 In the fourth quarter, where things really, really escalated, like if you see Anchorman and he goes, that really escalated fast, <laughs> that would happen. Um, so the 49ers would find the end zone first when Jeff Wilson Jr., the running back, would punch it in from seven yards out to give them a 16-6 to lead uh, 30 seconds into that fourth quarter. And then finally, in bizarre fashion, as they always seem to do, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks would find the end zone when uh, Wilson delivered a floater to Tyler Lockett on fourth and goal. Uh, but Jason Myers would miss the extra point to bring the uh, Seahawks within four points with 10.54 left in the fourth. He, he did make all of his kicks in the regular season, all of his field goals. So he's perfect on field goals. But he missed four extra points in the regular season. So, you know, I mean, pretty pretty damn good year from Jason Myers, but that's damn extra points. Um, excuse me. And then we jump. Uh, eight minutes and 34 seconds later in that quarter to two minutes and 20 to go up till the final whistle where Russell Wilson would fire a laser to Tyler Lockett from four yards out in the end zone. Uh, Myers would then make this extra point and give Seattle a 19 to 16 lead. Uh, weird scores today. The Seahawks would give the, get the ball back um, on a forced fumble and running back Alex Collins, not Chris Carson, not Rashad Penny, Alex Collins, would power the ball in from eight yards out and an extra point from Jason Myers would give Seattle a 26 to 16 lead. Uh, 49ers running back Jeff Wilson Jr. would get in the end zone again, uh, this time from three yards out on a pass from C.J. Beathard. Uh, but that would be the last score of the game with 23 seconds left as Seattle would hold on to win 26 to 23 after a really wild fourth quarter um, in a game that otherwise really uh really felt really boring and just really slow moving and just kind of frustrating um but in the fourth quarter i mean they they turned it on and they scored those 20 points um so hey you know i guess they got the job done but you know i'll leave the rest of that for uh talking points here uh stat leaders obviously russell wilson leads in passing 20 20 completions on 36 attempts 181 yards and two tds Chris Carson led in rushing with 11 rushes on 44 yards. Tyler Lockett was the receiving leader here with 12 catches, 90 yards, and two TDs. Jordan Brooks leads in tackling with nine total tackles and five solo. And the only one, only person to register a turnover on the defensive end of the ball was Rasheem Green with one fumble recovery. So good for Rasheem. So uh, I don't really have anything too related to the game there. Uh, the offense scored 459 points this regular season, which is a franchise record for the team. So this go this ties back to it, but um, obviously we didn't, <laughs> we got two field goals in three quarters um, from this team in the last game of the season uh, against a 49ers team that was, I mean, they've been depleted all season, but to not have Richard Sherman and Quan Williams and, uh, Dre Greenlaw uh, on this on the defensive side of the ball, and that's who I can remember. Nick Bosa was already out a while ago, you know. So I mean, to be decimated on the defense, you know, it's uh, and to, to only score six points with Russell Wilson at the helm. If it, it'd be different, you know, if we had to have Gino out there, but it was Russell Wilson out there. Um, so that being considered, and obviously, I mean, I feel like if I asked you. 
Uh, should we be concerned about that offense? I think that'd be, a, I'd sound like a broken record because I've said that for like weeks now. Uh, looking, looking ahead to next game, because right now, I mean, it gets said a lot, but really the playoffs are a whole different season. Uh, there's been, you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit and I've talked to about it to some people, but you know, with this idea that maybe the team was playing possum in the final few weeks, just so they could keep things away on the, for the playoffs. What, what, what should we expect from this offense on Saturday uh, as the Seahawks play on Saturday at 1:40 PM at Lumen field against the LA Rams uh, in their first playoff game in wildcard weekend. I mean, what, what do you expect from this offense? Cause obviously things, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit, things still look really weird on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, right now, obviously Carlos Hyde with that illness, hopefully things get better there, but even, even if not, you've got Chris Carson, Rashad Penny and uh, Alex Collins, at least you know, <clears throat> I don't remember when DJ Dallas comes back, I don't think right. he'll be eligible next week. But, you know, you've got a good stable running backs, and then, you know, you've still got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett got him a lot more involved in this game. So, I mean, it's not like the pieces aren't there. So, I mean, do you think we get a better performance this uh, Saturday? Because, I mean, we're still playing the Rams defense. But do you think we see any change? I think – so this game – so this 49ers game is interesting because – it exposes a lot of what's wrong with our deep or with our offense. Um, we're pretty one track. And I think that's something that, I mean, we've talked about before, obviously, um, but we don't adjust. There's such a lack of adjustment yeah. with how we operate this game. They happen to shut down the pass pretty well. Um, I don't even know if it was by coverage or by Russell Wilson, not exactly getting the right cues or hitting the right cues, but we just weren't, we weren't hitting the passing game on all cylinders. This is the second sub 100 game in terms of passer rating that Russell's had actually third in a row at this point. Um, the last game he had that was over hundred passer rating was uh, against the jets. Um, so, and again, three tough defenses in a row while Washington football team um, Rams and uh, Niners. So, I mean, some defenses that are obviously top of the league. I think that they're five third and first or something like that. Maybe that other way around in terms of, uh, points allowed, I think, or something to that effect. That's pretty close. I'll uh, check it out here when I had it. Um, there was a tweet. Yeah, about like you're saying as we went down that stretch, it's not like you were playing these mediocre right. defenses. However, it's not like you're playing a mediocre quarterback. Uh, you got Russell Wilson out there. I don't know. Again, I see. I would usually point the finger at the coaches here and say, maybe this is playbook misuse. Maybe this is drawing up the wrong place at the wrong time. But honestly, I feel like there's something wrong with Russell's game. Um, and it's not gelling with what we're calling for him. But uh, on the same side, I think there needs to be some definite adjustment from, um, Mr. Schottenheimer up there in the control room because uh, there's some interesting play calls. First and 10 runs out to the outside. That doesn't inspire exactly a ton of confidence in your quarterback, uh, especially when especially when each of them, I don't know, Carson went negative on a couple of them. Uh, Carson gained maybe one or two yards on a couple of them. Don't really think he broke an outside run very big this week. 
um, had a couple good dives. I mean, like the dives up the middle uh, don't look too bad, especially with him. And then the penny came in and had a couple good ones too. And Alex Collins got his touchdown. So of course running back course, not doing too bad, but I think again, it's just like, I think it's partially coach misuse and partially, partially something's wrong with Russell's game that uh, I can't quite put my finger on. I think maybe it's hesitancy. Yeah. Um, no, I mean to interrupt, interrupt, but at least I want, I, I should get NFL network just so I can see the all 22 and see like what the routes are like. Cause they don't really show, you know, what the guys downfield look like, but a lot of the times it like, looks like he'll cock back and he'll just like, no, and he'll like change his mind instantly. And like early in the season, you know, I don't know if looks changed. And normally, normally, I mean, early in the season, that was bombs away. Like, yeah, if yeah, he's yeah. Talking back, so it's like it. I think it is hesitancy. I don't know. Maybe the Buffalo game or that string of games like really busted up his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it's been like I, I don't know if I want to throw that. That's kind of how it looked, you know, at least in recent, I say recent weeks, but it's looked like that for like eight weeks. Um, so it's it's kind of you know it's. It's interesting because I think somebody in the postgame presser asked him that. Someone asked Russell and Pete Carroll that, and Pete Carroll's answer was uh, neither of them really answered it. Okay. Right. But uh, Pete Carroll was like, I can't really say that as we because uh, teams are scouting us now. Um, and then Pete Carroll, I mean, Pete Carroll, uh, Russell Wilson kind of like <laughs> skirted around the topic. He was like, Yeah, well, I think we're doing this. I'm like, Okay, Russell. But yeah, I mean, you do. Starting from that first Rams game, you played the number one, number six, number 15, number 13, number 17, being the Jets, number 17, uh, number three, one, and four. So, I mean, you never really go over anybody who's really below average of being besides the Jets, but that's the Jets, and that's a given. Um, so, you know, you know, yeah, it's just so you know which one's the – uh, the numbers were right there. Um, but I don't know. The hesitancy is really weird. And it's it's, it's alarming. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Because the hesitancy, to me, um, what it does is it eliminates DK Metcalf from the game. Yep. And, you know, you've seen him have career lows for, like, the last five weeks. He's gotten, like, 30, 40 yards. Last week, I think he had his best game of the stretch. He had 50 yards. Um, Jeez. He's just he's he's struggling to find his footing. I'm surprised he's not getting more frustrated against Washington football team at 43 yards off of five uh, receptions. Even against the Jets, he didn't even. I mean, he did good, but he didn't do as good as we expect him to. 61 yards for a touchdown. Uh, that's like nothing to spit at, but it's not exactly what you'd expect when he's your leading receiver going into the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna stay your leading receiver because I think he had a 300 yard edge on. Tyler Lockett going into this game and Lockett, I think, barely broke a hundred. No, he didn't even got ninety. Um, <clears throat> it's just weird. It's interesting because you expect you expect Russell to be the moonshot type of guy because we hyped him up to be that, and he was doing that. Um, and I don't know what went wrong. It's not like he's a bad quarterback, and it's not like the defenses can shut down our wide receivers every single play. I'm not saying like I'm not saying the Rams corner core is anything to spit at they're good ramsey and the guy that plays behind ramsey don't remember his name darius Um, williams yeah uh it's not like they're bad corners it's just that 
I think Russell has is having some confidence issues, so to say. Um, especially with the interception count getting up like pretty high. I think he's in his career high for interceptions already. Um, yeah, I think he passed that. He ended the year with thirteen. So it's a little, it's a little, it's alarming because of that. Um, I just think that once we go, so I guess to get back to your question, which we've been dancing around, I kind of forgot about it. Dang it. <laughs> uh, to get back to the Rams, uh, I hope we see more of the same the second half of the Rams game uh, last week or two weeks ago to this point. Um, you look at them play the Rams week 14 or 15, 16. Gosh. Um, wasn't a bad, wasn't a bad game. Russell had a touchdown. They get sacked five times. It wasn't for a ton of yardage. Uh, could have been worse. Could have fumbled off of those sacks, but he didn't. Um, and then Jared goof had that crap game interception, mm-hmm. three sacks. Um, so I think if we shut down the running game, which is kind of what they rely on with, uh, Malcolm Brown, if he comes back by then he got injured, right? Yeah, he was out. Um, he was out in that game that we played him too. Uh, and I don't, I haven't seen anything about him returning, at uh, least he, not recently. He came back and played against Arizona last night. Ah, um, didn't really do anything. I think he got twenty yards. Huh. Uh, and then Daryl Henderson Jr., who is good, he put up. Uh, he but he didn't play. He also got injured. Oh uh, wow! So yeah, they kind of just bounced between those guys this year. And then uh, who else you got? You got that's it. <laughs> that's yeah that's about it you you lost to Gurley, who was your lead rusher who uh, got benched in atlanta years, um who's over in atlanta now and he got benched and he got benched because he's not that good remember when he was a lead rusher and everyone loved him and now and he he was, the rams were gonna be the next great offensive team and then they had uh they scored Todd three points. And jared goof <laughs> they scored three points in the super bowl uh, but Jared Goof, yeah, uh, I think our key there is forcing him to throw the ball. Well, and then our offense, all our offense has to do is outplay him, and I feel like that won't be terribly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got to get Carson going. I hate saying that because I hate overusing the run in a football game, especially against a strong defensive front like the uh, the the Dolphins. Why did I say the Dolphins? The, the Rams. Rams. I was staring. I'm staring at their team logo right now, and I decided oh, I'm going to call them the Dolphins. The LA Dolphins. <laughs> um, They're moving. Because I mean, Carson had a pretty good game against them. Uh, okay, game. I think he. Let's look at the stats. He got uh, 16 rushes for 69 nice yards. Um, so like 4.3 average, and uh, that's pretty good. I mean. I mean, I'd like to see him do that again, 70 yards, uh, maybe pick it up to 80 or 90, even 100 against the Rams. Dropping anything above 50 against the Rams to me on offense in terms of running backs feels like an accomplishment because their front their front uh, linemen are just so crazy good. Um, I would really like to see Russell not be so hesitant. I feel like if we actually get the running game going early and we stick with a complementary offense – we can start to see Russell break out of this slump a little bit. And I know Pete Carroll's all about complimentary offenses too, which is weird because he's not, he's not doing it. He's not doing that. He's not doing it. He's, he's, he's doing pity pat run plays that go for two yards and he's trying to make Russell gun it deep after that. That's not going to work. Well, that's like that. What you just said 
is what people think that that less rut let less let Russ cook stuff was. They think, oh, it's just gonna deep nope. all the time. No, I mean what what worked, at least when I'm thinking about like Atlanta, um, and Dallas and all. Chris Carson was involved. He was. Yeah. It's not like Chris Carson went and sat on the bench and eat, ate candy. I don't know if you saw that soundbite, like the mic'd up where he he got some candy on the sideline. Aww. Oh, I know he's cute. He's like, oh, you guys got some candy, and he had some candy. It wasn't Skittles, but you know. Anyway, okay. to get away from the point. Um, complimentary <laughs> football. It's not like I'm saying, ooh, grr, run the ball down their throat as much as nope. all of my Washington coaches, Washington State coaches, seem to be Co- Coach Kohler and my Huskies and, you know, Pete Carroll. They all seem to love to run the ball in this state. I don't know why. Um, it's not like right. I'm that way. And I'm not all, oh, let's just, you know, play go gun the whole time and throw the damn ball over the field. No. Mm-mm. Having these running backs, they're not just like having a Ferrari and leaving it in the freaking garage. You use them. You do use them. You know, and, and Chris Carson can receive the ball too. So right. it's not like he's not going to be involved. He, and it's not like Chris Carson has brick hands. I've seen him catch the ball and I've seen him do it well. Obviously, there's some changes like in the Giants game, he dropped a few, which upset me. But, you know, so, uh, you know, to your point, you know, I, I would like to see Chris Carson get involved there. I would like, to, I don't know what happened with Rashad Penny. Uh, he had cramps after the game, is what I was told. Right, what I read, but you know, you've got your running backs there. You should use them. And then to go back with DK, it's it's really interesting. Um, I don't know why you don't. Uh, it's there's some I don't remember who said it, but it's it's about getting players calling plays for players, not calling plays for schemes. Because DK Metcalf is a guy that you should do that for. It doesn't necessarily have to be thrown a deep to him. Just get him the ball. Because obviously we've seen him take a little crossing pattern, uh, like against the, in that 49ers game, not the last one, but the one before that, uh, and then run by like five guys. You know, it's not like he's he's not a yard after catch guy. He can be a yard after catch guy. Right. So it's just I want to see him get more involved. And screens to like David Moore. David Moore is great, and his hundred thousand dollar bonus getting that catch at the end of the game, wonderful, cool, but. Why don't you do a little stupid push play to DK Metcalf? You know, I think that dude's faster than David Moore. I could be wrong, you know, but it, I want to see him more involved because this guy is probably, I mean, is like we talked about a few weeks ago, he's already one of the faces of the league, the way that he gets as much media attention as he does. Right. You know, and he's him and Tyler Lockett, probably two of the best receivers, like the probably the best duo that this team's seen in this, this franchise, because I don't think there's ever been a guy that was remotely close. Like, if we took DK, right, um, I don't know if Steve Largent ever had a guy like Tyler Lockett. Steve Rabel. Yeah, the great. He, he had long hair back then, too. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's foolish for me to see guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you know, who've got speed, you're not giving them like the jet sweeps or the push plays that some other teams in the league are using for their guys or not getting them, you know, spreading the field open and getting them the ball. It's, it's, it's just bizarre to not see them getting utilized in certain ways, but Hey, you know, maybe, maybe they were just trying to not let people scout them. Maybe we'll see more stuff ramping up, but you know, to get back to my main point is 
I think I think you're hitting right on the head with getting Chris Carson involved, and maybe that gives Russell some more some comfort. He says, "Hey, okay, I've got the run game. I don't need like that Rams game the first time where he forced the ball and he just kind of looked a mess." You know, you want to mm-hmm. get him back to himself because I'm sure at one point he did think he had to do everything by himself, right? You know? And to, so because it's not, and, and now as opposed to that Rams game. What week was that? That wasn't fourteen. It was like it was fifth. It was sixteen. No, the one before that. Uh, thirteen. That yeah, that away game. He didn't have Chris Carson. He didn't have Carlos Hyde, and hopefully Carlos is back this week. You know, but he 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 was down to lower guys. So you know, he really should get those guys involved. Should get the running game going. (laughs) Could believe it. That was week ten. It was week ten. There you go. So, you know, my main point is I want to see complementary football. You don't want to see – you don't need to launch it deep. It's not like you do two runs and then you just throw the ball in a go, you and know, regardless of what's going on. It's upsetting, too, because you look at what you call complementary football, and, it, it you know, you brought it up at the very start of this conversation about complementary football, and you bring up the point that people think that gunning it deep on a, on a second and eight is let Russ cook. Mm-hmm. And that's that is not what it is. Quite no. simply, no. Uh, let Russ cook to me is okay. First off, it's dumb and I hate it now. I thought it was really funny for the first five weeks when you're putting up six touchdowns a game. Yeah, now uh, when you're dropping 181 yards and you filed right. a trademark, yeah. I'm not happy with. <laughs> no um, more trademark. Russell, that pissed me off. But also the way the media did it when they were like, "Let Russ cook. Look how bad he's doing." Yeah, it's uh, it, it's like it was dangerous because of the potential to give the the media fodder. I'm like, ah, exactly. Boy. And I don't think it's getting in Russell's head because I don't think that's the person he is. But I think there's a severe misunderstanding of what it means. And like you just, I I just like even saying like when you have a run, I don't know, dude. The Freaking Madden commentators even know this. When you have a first down run and you get six yards, that makes passing on second down so much easier. Because now the other team knows you got run game for this drive, which, you know, because run game can be completely taken out of a game in one drive. So now the guy knows you, you're, you're liable to run because second and four is one of those thing, places where you could run or pass either way. Analytics kind of say either way you go here is successful for an offense. It's a good offensive uh, second down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you set up Russell for a big old schlong moonshot to DK or even like a shallow crossing route to Tyler because he can break those for like 30 yards for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. He's such a sneaky small receiver. Um, there were so there were so many plays on Sunday where oh my god I yeah. thought he was in the right. So he's like oh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go under you. you don't mind me. I was like oh, that okay. that one play where Russell it looked like he was throwing it out of bounds, and I oh. thought a player on the sideline caught it, and then they were running, and I was like why are we still following? Them? The camera guys confused me. Yeah, there was and that. I was like oh that's was Tyler. Like, oh he's right. he's he got the ball. <laughs> it's yeah no I mean, um, but I just. Also, that field was a mess yesterday. I don't like that it was field. So gross. I've never... It was like, and like the PlayStation logo was barely painted. Oh over. yeah, uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, I think, yeah. was held. I don't know the day before or two days before. And, and you quite could literally, see you could the see zone. the PlayStation logo. You could see the Fiesta Bowl logo. 
and you could see the names of the college teams that had played. All they did, I, I, I wonder if they said, screw this, you know, it's week 17. Cardinals aren't going to make the playoffs. Let's just <laughs> phone it in. You could see Oregon's logo in one end zone and Iowa State's in the other. And all they did was like they just put red. Like yeah, they painted block. red all over like, it. Like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just gross. put red over it. I'm like, oh, um, my God. But anywho, uh, like that's when you use the let Russ cook ideology, I guess if you want to call it that. You you start throwing it deep when you're set up to do that. Throwing it deep on first and ten can happen. That's like okay, because then you have three other downs to play or two other downs to play with three other downs if you're in that territory. Uh, but you don't want to do it on like a third and five, which we saw Russell start to do in his weird little downfall. Um, those plays are irresponsible to, 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 to gun it deep on or to even really gun it medium. You don't really want to do that unless it's a sure thing. Uh, and you also don't want to do that classic Seattle Seahawks thing where Jacob Hollister runs a hook route and he's still three yards short, short of the yeah. first down on third down and you it throw it to him, he gets that. instantly tackled. Now it's fourth and two and Pete Carroll doesn't have the cojones to kick it or to, to go for it. And then he'll defend his decision. And then he'll defend his decision. Hey, well, you know, we, uh, we Well, I think that was the right one. I, I, I wouldn't have changed good it. Game. We still got to talk. We, we won. We won by a couple points. No, they good. do that. They they call. I think there was ex- one exact one over the course of the game. Uh, where it was like third and whatever. And he quite literally, Jacob Hollister, ran an in route <laughs> that was right a yard in front of the, of the first down marker. I'm like, you should have routes that are going over the yeah marker. yeah especially no. when the Niners were kind of doing that stupid thing we do where they give the receivers like seven yards to play with mm. before they're even covered like we were doing with George Kittle yeah <laughs> yeah where George Kittle was sometimes sense. just uncovered same with their other white 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 tight end I don't remember his name Dwelly sure uh, Dwelly and some guy named Crackcraft which I was yeah like, Crackcraft I was like what the Crawcraft kept getting crazy, crazy it's like catches. Like he's just not going to cover crazy. him, or. Um, but anywho, I feel like you gotta you gotta get back to what you were doing those first five weeks, and it's not one hundred percent Russell's fault. It's maybe eighty no. percent, but the twenty percent does fall on the coaching. Um, yeah, because you should be able to say, "Hey, you've gotten out of a funk. Let's help you, and let's try and get yeah. back to that," as opposed to. Uh, Let's keep trying. Let's see what you can do, huh, Russ? Yeah, it's the whole ideology of jamming the uh, triangle block into the circle block. It's not working. You got to sit back, take a break, help help the child there, calm down, and then let's get back into putting the circle block in the circle hole. It's not force the issue because I don't think it's going to help you going into the playoffs here against the number one ranked DVOA defense in the league. With Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, it's not you know it's uh, not that smart. Um, and then uh, if you win this game, knock on wood, you play the Bears, who aren't necessarily horrible on defense, uh, and the Saints, who have a pretty good defense, and you'd be playing them in New Orleans. So you know, regardless, Which, you're gonna. I mean, it doesn't really, honestly, it doesn't. Really yeah, it doesn't. Really, and it's such a weird, you know. So regardless, though. You you kind of want to get him back, like if if we were going into this game with the offense that we had the first six weeks or so, I'd say, dude, we're winning the Super Bowl, just the way they've been throwing the ball around, right? 
and the offensive production and then the way the defense is. But no, we're kind of looking like, hey, we've still got Russell Wilson, but it's like it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Not necessarily because I'd, I'd say it's more Jekyll and Hyde if uh, Russell played like well one week and bad the other. Uh, the season in general is kind of uh, to like be that. fair. He kind of does that in a game. Yeah, kind of like mean, this like, game where he was. <laughs> look at the third quarters. quarter for our team where we got oh I don't know three yards of offense. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, and then the second half when we got 176 yards of offense, Russell Wilson just like decides when he's going to be good or not. It feels like. Um, I don't know. I think it's. I, th- I think it's part of the, I think it's part of like the really dangerous diatribe of uh, can we win a game in the first quarter? No. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Well, we were going into the fourth. He said, "Oh, well, Pete says you can only win in the fourth quarter." And what happens? You only, it's you know, dumb. I, I don't get it. I don't. Get why it. can't we? Why can't we win in the first quarter? Because then like you know to. what they'll say after the game. They'll go. We really love games like that. I'm like, God damn you! I know. Screw you! I don't. No one else does. It's like, wouldn't it be beneficial for you to get on top of a team before halftime and then you can get, you know, guys like Geno Smith in and, well, Geno Smith doesn't need more experience the way he's and, played in the league, but, you know, other guys. Yeah, you know, that was a really good team win. I'm glad we Yeah, a really great team win. It really was it was weird we... because I I don't think he was uh, as, uh, um, he wasn't as peppy as he was. He was not as jovial in this post game. I, I think that there were some definite missteps. When oh my god, it was he goes. It was a difficult answer. day for us. When <laughs> Joe Fan, it was either Joe Fan or Condota who asked him, or Condota. I don't actually know how you say his name. Uh, follow him on Twitter though. Who asked him like what was with the offense for the first three quarters? He gave the most bullshit answer. He said, "Oh well, you know, we were just trying to feel out a really tough defense." Yeah, I'm like mm. half their defense is injured, Pete. What are you feeling out? If I go, if I go right now, and I look at the tackles, I can just tell you that a lot of these guys didn't play in that Super Bowl, let alone, you know, <laughs> let let alone week one. It was, yeah, that answer is just BS. I saw that. I did for some reason I didn't pay any mind to it. Maybe because I was tired. I was like this. Now that I think, okay, Fred Warner, Fred Warner. Could probably be an all pro. Um, so that makes sense. Jason Red's pretty solid. There's I mean, two Fred guys. Warner, Eric Armstead. I mean, Aziz not... Al Shair, Tarverius Moore, Dante Johnson, DJ Jones, Contavious Street, who probably got signed off the street. Matthew Cole, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, Kerry Street, who has only been uh, activated since October. So, you know, these these are not starting. Uh, well, I um, those guys I mentioned are not starting guys. I mean, Fred Warner, Jason Verrett. And Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead. There's like five starters right there. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, River Crawcraft is a guy returning punts. Uh, his name's River is his first name, and C R A Craft is his last name. You're playing a bunch of guys that you know. I called him a tight end because I thought he was. This 49ers team is immensely banged up, and for them to yeah. be six and ten with the way their season has gone is not a Quest bad for six. Despite the fact that. Uh, that they're, you know, when we have the, that rivalry going, I feel like it's at its best. Um, but, you know, they, they they did a pretty good job considering what's happened to them. You know, yeah. losing Jimmy G is no great quarterback, but he he helps them. He's now yeah, losing Bosa. Yeah, losing Bosa and Sherman for a while. And they had Trent Williams, their left tackle out. 
you know, and both of their starting receivers were out. Obviously, they had George Kittle, but you know, so it's it, it, it's ridiculous that feel, the whole the feeling out a tough defense. I mean, Stupid. if we were playing them week one, sure, sure, yeah. If, if we're playing them week one, I'm right with you, Pete. But we got to feel these guys out. It's week one of a new season. These guys just went to the Super Bowl. They yeah, got week Nick seventeen. Freaking Bosa. <laughs> week seventeen. Um, Nick Bosa. Joey Bosa. Which one plays no, for the Niners? Joey Bosa okay, is cool. the one on the Chargers. Right. I don't care. They're crappy people. So, like, <laughs> so you know, it's yeah. That quote bizarre. Don't get it. Um, Absolutely bizarre. <laughs> you know, let's get let's get back on track. And I, but no, I mean, it was good to address those because that's just you know a difficult day for us. He usually does try to spin it. Oh, this is he- heck of a game. We like these kind of games. I, I, I don't know why I sound like Rick Sanchez. It's it was just it's interesting to see him react that way, uh, calling it a difficult day for us. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'd like to see them exploit some things with the talent you have. Obviously, the play calls are great, but. You've got talent, and that should be the the focus on it sometimes, I think, at least on the offensive play calling. But let's focus on someone else on the offense. Well, not someone else, but um, we'll stay on our quarterback here. Russell Wilson became the first uh, player in NFL history to have multiple seasons of 4,000-plus passing yards and 500-plus rushing yards uh, in 2015-2020. There are only two other players to do it one time, let alone two, Uh, Cam Newton in 2011 and then Deshaun Watts in 2018. So statistically he had one of his better years, you know, but I mean, we know, I mean, if he played the whole way like that, he could have had like, Oh God. I mean, if he, Oh, I'm trying to think he could have had like 55 touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, just obviously we saw, well, I mean, I'll go back to it. The let Russ cook thing is more about giving him more freedom, I would say, and kind of letting him throw the ball because we've seen him throw the ball in spurts. Like that Chiefs game uh, two years ago when we beat them at home in week 16, mm-hmm. there was, he had a couple moonshots. You know, and we, saw, we saw that in limited capacity. And the let Russ cook thing was more like, hey, we've got these weapons now. We've got this big, big, fast dude in DK Metcalf let the dude throw it a little bit and not necessarily have Chris Carson run it 800 times in a season, you know, um, obviously things kind of fell apart uh, with injuries, you know, and stuff like that. And that's going to happen in an NFL season. There's absolutely no way an NFL team goes a full year without someone significant getting injured. Right. Um, So despite all this, despite all me getting angry and saying, grr, Russell, why no throw ball long, grr, uh what, what 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 do you have like a year that you would say Russell had his best year of his career to this point cuz I mean he things were going pretty well and this things wasn't a necessarily well. bad statistical season but you know considering like looking at the back end of it I don't know how great I could say it was you know um yeah do you do you, do you have like a year that you'd say was his best to, like statistical year I mean, 2018 was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, was that the year we missed the playoffs? It can't have been. I think the year after it. No, 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 after year. before. I think it was before. Uh, yeah, 2018 was pretty wild. Uh, that was the Doug Baldwin last season, if I remember correctly. 
Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And Doug Baldwin, like, went off. He ended with, uh, let's see here, 400, oops, sorry, 3,448 passing yards. So, actually, near his career low. I think it was his fourth lowest season. But uh, threw for, like, 35 touchdowns, uh, his second highest right behind this season, where he barely hit 40. Uh, and I say barely, not numerically, but if you watch the game, you'll know he barely hit it. Um, and 110.9 passing QB rating. Uh, that's not a rating that I look deeply into, but it is a good way to get a baseline for how the quarterback did that season. And watching that season, that last six-game span where we had no running back, uh, and we were just using Russell like crazy, uh, that to me might have been where Russ Cook was kind of born because like we, we showed what we could do if he was just allowed to go hog wild with his tosses because he ended up putting up an insane amount of touchdowns in that last five or four week span uh, in the last third of the season. So that to me was probably my favorite and probably best year. He played the most secure, I think. Uh, I mean, only to be outdone by himself the next year where he threw five interceptions miraculously um, and threw for about 31, 31 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 2018 and 2019, those th- four years of football, cause you know, it goes 2017 into 2018, so on and so forth. Um, those four years of football were pretty damn good from Russell this year. We kind of saw him maybe hit that next level, but I don't think we're there. Uh, in fact, he's, it wasn't really, sustained. This playing honestly reminds me of him, how he looked like his second year in the NFL, mm. third year, maybe a lot of mistakes, a lot not of really mistakes, too sure about it. A lot of hesitancy. He looks like a young player who can be really good later. If, yeah, if Russell was in his, the young Russell player was like a rookie, <laughs> yeah, like a rookie, was, I'd be like, that's pretty this guy. good. <laughs> this guy's good. He's gonna be great. And, but the fact that he's a, uh, uh, a vet and some of the mental lapses, like burning timeouts in the second half on not getting the ball, the play clock off, you know, that was a little upsetting to see that still happening in year nine, week 17, you know, still burning timeouts late in the third quarter (sighs) on uh, not snapping the ball in time, you know? So I think, I think, um, yeah, 2018. Geez, that was a year. Uh, I think we beat the eventual Super Bowl champion Eagles that year at home. Um, yeah. Yes. Now I remember going out of the end of that game. I was like, I don't really care because I was upset that we had no running game. I was like, hey. Or is that the year we missed the playoffs? I don't. I think that was the year we missed the playoffs. I'm talking about. Yeah, wrong one. Um, but you know, I think we. I think we saw what he can really do but it wasn't sustained just because of the way things fell apart and that sucks but i you know going like going forward i don't have an issue with russell i don't think this is going to be something that continues um god i hope not um but you know so just uh i i think he i don't know maybe i think i really love to see him come out this weekend and just absolutely fucking tear it up and just kind of get back into form because that would really jettison this team i think 
uh, and give me give me what well, I don't know. They don't really I don't think the Seahawks go into the locker room and think, damn, that Charles guy, we need him. We need his confidence in us. I think it would really jettison the team's confidence and say, hey, Russ is fucking back and we've got this defense playing well. So, you know, uh, speaking on one of his targets, uh, DK Metcalf broke Steve Largent's single season franchise receiving record, ending the regular season with 1,303 yards. So to speak on DK, do you have a ceiling for this guy? Because I know people get upset. They're like, oh, he's no Megatron. Megatron was playing with uh, janitor quarterbacks. And that, that, that's great and all. But the, 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 the ability is there, I think, is what should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. The ability is there. Um, well, let me first preface this by saying I think that's a phony-ass argument. Mm. They're not a janitor quarterback because they're playing in the NFL. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, oh, this guy's dumb. Was, you know, he obviously beat out thousands of people to get and to they're obviously point. not a phony quarterback if if megatron posted record-breaking numbers yeah it's, if, he, if he couldn't throw the ball dk mac i mean <sighs> calvin johnson wouldn't have gotten the ball you know so so first off none of that noise because that noise is annoying he also played with matt stafford in the last years of his career who's not a janitor quarterback and he's no slouch no yeah, slouch. You keep keep stafford's name out your mouth he's a good-ass quarterback lions are just a terrible organization uh, Matt Patricia, why would you ever hire him? He like did good for the Patriots, so that's because he was under Belichick, and that's like I don't even know, dog. Anyways, I just get tired of people being like, "Well, Megatron's better because he had worse quarterbacks." That doesn't mean anything, dog. Like that doesn't mean anything. Jerry Rice had one of the best quarterbacks of all time throwing to him. Why do we? Why don't we go? Oh well, it was just Joe Montana or Steve other guy what's his name steve young steve young steve other guy <laughs> when i think of minor quarterbacks I well think i wanted to say guy. steve largent really bad i know it's not right <laughs> uh, as quarterback steve largent that 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 pisses me off it gets me freaking raging in the angry way uh, yeah i mean with like quarterbacks in the nfl and i mean great talent they'll find the they'll find their receiver Exactly. Like, Randy Moss played with Brady. Why are we not being like, well, well, Moss wasn't that good? Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, I think people just get upset that somebody's, somebody is getting the media attention. Because, I mean, yeah, I get it. He gets a lot of attention, but at least as fans of him, we kind of get spoiled because we get to see it every weekend. But, you know, the, I mean, what, what's there not to like? He's got speed, he's tall, Mm -hmm. he's athletic. You know, and uh, if you want to talk about ceilings, I just I think Megatron's the ceiling. Honestly, if he can emulate that kind of play consistently throughout the entire year, uh, and continue we got, to we got a Hall of Fame freaking wide receiver on our hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, continue to like grow, you know, because I don't think this is a guy that necessarily wants to be content with things. This is a guy that almost lost his playing career due to a neck injury. Yeah, you no, know, I think he's. He, I don't think he's going to be complacent. I really don't think he'll ever be complacent. And obviously, it's not like he's a guy that kind of just sits back, you know, when things don't happen for him. He's like, oh, that's okay. Like you mentioned earlier in the in when we were talking, he gets upset. Like in the in the Rams game, he got upset, you know, when he wasn't getting his targets. Right. And I'm I'm okay with that because yeah, you know he, he should be getting get the ball. Upset. He should be getting the ball. It's not like we're sitting here and a guy like Brian Walters is like, "Gur, me need playing time." This is DK Metcalf. <laughs> 
You know, he should be getting the ball. You know, they did it in the week 16 game against the Rams. There was one that I found particularly, particularly funny. They motioned DK to the side of the field and Jalen Ramsey just shook his head. I'm like, okay, dude, you know, but they moved him around and they got in the ball. So they should, you should get this guy at the ball. It doesn't matter yeah. who you're playing. People also, hey, people were like, Jalen Ramsey's going to lock him up again. I think DK dropped like 60 that game. That's not locking someone up. No. Uh, I know I was like, man, we really stopped uh, Hopkins from doing doing big things. When we gave him like 70 yards or 60 yards, that's 100% different. Because it's not locking up. It's just limiting how much they can ruin a game for you. Yeah, it's keeping them contained more so. Yeah. And like, yeah, did Ramsey do a good job of him keeping him to 60 yards? Sure. Did he still average 10 yards a target or a, a catch? Yeah. So you didn't really lock him up. Sorry, Rams fans. Ramsey talks about <clears> a <throat> mess, so it looks like he does. Oh, my God. I, I Just to say something about DK Metcalf, he showed restraint this Cardinals game when that guy got up and did that, like, this Niners oh, game. Yeah, that, that guy get up bizarre. and did like an Irish jig in his face. I was like, oh my god! If I was, DK I don't know if Metcalf, that was Akello Witherspoon or who that it was. was. Yeah, oh, it was. If Akello Witherspoon's been a his size C tier cornerback, and he made a okay play on DK. Seriously, do you want to hear was... his stat line, Chuck? Do you want to hear his stat line real quick? Who Akello Witherspoon? One solo tackle, zero assisted tackles, zero sacks. That's fine. He's a corner. Uh. One pass deflection, zero that, interceptions. That all year? No, that's just for this game. You want to hear his year? Okay. It's not much right. more impressive. Yeah. 16 tackles. Oh, my God. Three assisted tackles. Get this, pass deflections, four. Oh. As a corner, remind you. Yeah. One interception. Great. Awesome. Good for you, man. And this is this is playing the year with having a lot of defensive guys injured and a lot of cornerbacks injured so yeah he's played he's played uh 11 games this season Uh, so yeah that's i'm sure him matching (laughs) up against dk was like his little super bowl he was really excited for that guy to bat a ball at dk's hands with a heavily yeah and if i'm dk i'm doing the same thing i'm like i don't really care about what you have to say i have bigger things to worry about i would just punch him in the face oh god that pissed me off so much i was like who are you dog you're not even like you're not going to the playoffs this is your super bowl because like you hate us yep because we found consistency because you know we have a franchise quarterback um God. I just oh god the Niners pissed me off. Anyway, well and then in that other in that game earlier in the season, Jimmy Ward, one of their safeties, uh, apparently he really seemed upset that people were talking about DK uh, after that game, and he tried to post film saying that trying to discredit his performance, and all that film did was help show that they all all their secondary played bad. It's like, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. Beat them by 10. I think DK dropped 160 on them. Yeah, so I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't know what whose name you're trying to help, but it wasn't yours. So, you um, know, it's... It was, a, it was just, I think, yeah, so DK Metcalf ceiling is the highest ceiling you could have as a, as a wide receiver. Uh, and even on top of that, what's great about this guy is he's not like he's a dickhead off the field. He's absolutely not, just shown no. to be a class guy. So it's... You know, one of the we're in a really lucky situation to have that guy, and I mean, props to the office for doing their job and bringing him in. So, um, speaking of a guy who 
got a contract coming up. There are some guys that I'll, I'll I was gonna do contract situations and stuff like that, but I'll worry till off season. Um, just to not stack too much on everybody as we're heading into the playoffs. Uh, but one guy to note, as I kind of mentioned him earlier, uh, Rashad Penny, his fifth year options coming up. <sighs> what do you think? Cause like logically I think the Seahawks will pick it up just cause I'm like, Oh, you know, this is a guy we like, blah, 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 blah. You know, but you know, he's had, I mean, he really had a good end of the year before he tore his Achilles. Right. ACL. I don't remember. Before he got injured. And then, you know, I hope it was just cramps. Because if he just got injured again, I don't know what to tell you. It'd be another CJ Pro size situation. Um, but I mean, what I was going to say, I was going to ask if you think they pick up his option. I, I personally just think they will. Um, I mean, what do you what do you think about Rashad Penny going forward? Because obviously you got Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde in their contract situations to figure out. But Rashad Penny's younger than those guys. Um and I mean he showed some stuff, but obviously something that's similar between him and uh Chris Carson is the health stuff. You know, you gotta be able to stay healthy, especially in this uh sort of run game that Pete Carroll loves so much. You can't have a guy that this all nimble he's all agility and he's you know fast and not built before between the tackles you need a guy that's going to be durable like Marshawn was for basically all of his career um what do you, what do you think about Rashad Penny going forward um I think he could uh, he's another hard guy because I I think he's kind of like a uh David Moore where yeah, he's a, a big part of the team when he's active. Not so much David Moore, but he's like he's a core part of the team when he's active. He can do good things, and we've seen him do good things. But there, <laughs> I'm so stuttery. There comes a point where uh, you have to ask yourself: Does it matter? Like, does it does he, is he going to be good enough to pay money to keep? To, to, to explore that option with him to me no nah, not really i don't think so based off of what we've seen so far i think he could find success in a different offense as well i just it sucks because he's one of your first round picks but he's a confounding first round pick uh i'm not gonna say he's like not nfl talent i'm not gonna say he's like not it for the seahawks i see a lot of people being like rashad penny i'm just tired of him getting injured and i was like yeah, I guess, but also what a, I don't know. I feel like people get into this weird objectification zone with football players mm. where they're like, I'm tired of you getting injured from playing a sport where you get contact. Where you run into a bunch of guys, usually yeah. 300 pounds, who are it's running like, at you full force. I'm not more upset at the injuries because sometimes they can't help that. Exactly. You know, my thing's more, it's like, it gets difficult when you want certain amounts of money. Like Chris Carson's yes. thing. If you want yeah. Dalvin Cook level money, you want top five, top 10 level money. That's when it gets difficult. I have no issue at all giving Chris Carson, Chris Carson, Chris Carson a contract in general. My issue is, oh, I deserve to be paid among guys like Dalvin Cook, who is second in rushing, you know, just stuff like that, and Derrick Henry should have been paid 
I don't know why they gave that money to Tannehill. Obviously, Tannehill's played solid, but you know, Derek Henry needs, needs his money. Um, it's it's it, it gets more difficult on contract situation, and at least in my eyes, just because hey, it's not like this guy's not cut out. It's not like this guy doesn't go and train for the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look at a guy like Chris Carson and tell me that dude doesn't train. You gonna <laughs> say that to his face? I don't think you do. You know, so. Yeah, no, I, it's like saying that, oh, I'm tired of this guy. I don't think he cares if you're tired. He's going to make a couple million dollars, probably right. more. Whether here or there, you know. Yeah, it's and like, he's going to play a game that we will play for fun. He gets to get paid to do that, and he trains for it. You know, so I don't know, stuff like that where you're tweeting. Like, do the tweeted, tweeted players. Stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> Come on. And then usually if they do respond, you usually are on the losing end of that. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him back, you know, just because I feel like, you know, things are different. Not always do we see people like pan out immediately. It's not all the time you see a guy um, who's a good example. Well, like J- Justin Jefferson this year, he had a really good year, just started off great, you know, a running back – let me go back to running backs. A guy who didn't start off his career great, Amon Green, he was with the Seahawks in the beginning of his career, and he fumbled a lot. And then he goes away, goes to the Packers, has a good career. You know, there are guys that don't start off hot. They don't, like, come into the league, and they just perform instantly Marshawn well. Lynch. Marshawn Lynch with the Bills. Yeah, Marshawn, versus... I mean, he had some okay years. I mean, he got in trouble with the law. Comes to Seattle, completely different story. Exactly. You know, so it's uh, – I mean, as long as that athlete, and we take if we take it broadly, as long as that athlete is doing what they can and they're getting injured, if they can turn a corner at some point in their career, they're going to make a difference. I don't care where it is. Guys like Thomas Davis had like three major knee injuries in his career. Usually mm-hmm. one could stop somebody from playing. He continued to come back and make more money. You know, so it's uh, it's a tough situation, but... I'm not going to close the door on the dude. Uh, I mean, I was a little tough on, I remember I have a video in my phone of me uh, watching that draft pick and yelling, what the fuck? <laughs> when we picked a running back, it wasn't because I, I didn't like the dude. I was just like, there's a running back question mark. Um, but he, he was growing on me. He was really growing on me. And then we get to the Philly game when I don't remember what it was. Was it the Philly game he got injured? I don't remember. We get to one of those games, the game he got injured, and I'm like, well, shoot. You know, when he comes back, uh, and then even Shoddy, I think last week, he said that uh, he feels like uh, Penny's got a big breakout game coming out of him. And then I see him get taken out of the game this game. I'm like, ah, shit. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I still feel like he can contribute uh, in parts. I think he's got good speed. Uh, it's obviously right. difficult to tell after any injury, you know, because, I mean, everybody's body kind of responds differently. Uh, and I don't know if you're going to be able to get regain that speed. Obviously, a guy like AP off after his big knee injury coming back and having a record-breaking season, you know. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things where I don't like to close the door on people sure, necessarily prematurely. There's some examples where I'm like, ah, screw this guy. I don't like him. Like a guy who I don't think we'll see him just because of the way that things are set up. But like uh, AB, I don't really care for him very much. I don't really like him. Um, but, you know, guy like 
Rashad Penny. I, you know, uh, I, I want to see what goes on. I want to see what happens. So I will stop yapping about hypotheticals and all that. <laughs> uh, offensive and defensive MVPs. I am not picking the quarterback this week. I'm going to take Tyler Lockett. I thought Tyler Lockett did a really good job of uh, taking advantage of the opportunities he got. And I really liked seeing him get more involved. I think this was an example of what you should do with certain players. Just get them the ball and let them get, get their confidence up. Because, I mean, Tyler Lockett, the last time he was in the stadium, had 10 catches for 200 yards and three TDs, you know. That's true. Uh, so, and then since then, he's kind of been like, oh, hi, I'm Tyler Lockett. I don't really catch the ball anymore. Um, so, you know, it's it was really good. to see, I, I like seeing him get – I don't care if he got like six yards, seven yards. He wasn't breaking the breaking the game. But he was getting involved, and then he got those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you know. So uh, I thought he had a great game, and I'm taking him. In it about about offensive. Penny? Oh no, offensive MVPs. Oh, those. Uh, yeah, I'm probably. I mean, Lockett's the obvious choice here. Two two duddies and ninety yards. It's pretty good uh, for any wide receiver, and it's also good to see Tyler <clears throat> play and break out in a meaningful way. After, like you said, kind of being silent for a couple weeks uh, since that Cardinals game, really. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then the defensive side of the ball was kind of more difficult for me. I didn't really... Uh, yeah, weird. Um, there were no standouts, but the entire defense played really well. Yeah, there wasn't somebody that was like clear-cut and obvious, say, oh, yeah, this is definitely... The-. I picked Benson Mayoa just because... Well, the two sacks helps. Yeah, he had two sacks. He forced a fumble, um, and he's... Uh, from what I read, he's had really good pass rush grades the last three games of the season. He's really kind of flipped the switch. Um, and that's going to be important going into the playoffs here where you're going to play teams that usually have good lines. Um, mm-hmm. And affecting the quarterback is really going to help you. Uh, especially, like, you know, against when we look at the uh, NFC playoff pool, teams like Chicago, teams like New Orleans, uh, any of those teams, it's going to be important to hit the quarterback. So it's, it's not like you're going to – I don't know how I don't really want to put up John Wolford's slander considering I'm playing him this week, but, uh, you know, I don't know how NFL ready this guy is. Um, uh, shoot. I don't want to jinx myself, but anyway, the point is having good pass rush going into the playoffs is good. So Benson Mio was my pick on defense. Um, just to keep it, keep it fresh. Maybe I'll go with Rasheem green. Um, I was gonna. I looked at Rasheem just because I liked the hard, the fact that he got that fumble recovery. I was like, ooh, good yeah, Rashim. fumble recovery was snappy. Uh, one, I, I think he got a pass deflection. I think he had a uh, no, he didn't. I think he had a uh, yeah, he had the fumble recovery. Hold on, how did I not know? I could have sworn he was the one with like the pass deflection on the line, but I guess that was Carlos Dunlap, which makes sense. He was coming off the end. Uh, Rasheem Green, yeah, three tackles overall and a sack. So uh, that's another pretty good, um, what do you call it, contribution to the defense. And I think he got the fumble recovery, and, you know, that to me shows that he's an improvement. He's an improving player, and to have him kind of – he's been with our team now for three years, and – it's nice to see him start to have a good season. He's not really matching his last season, which was his best season yet, four sacks and uh, I think like 41 tackles. 
total? Um, no, 29 tackles total. Um, that's pretty good. Three forced fumbles on the year mm. for him last year. So I think it's cool to see him contribute and continue to contribute to this team. But I will say Mayo is also cool because, I mean, he's a free agency addition who has started to ball out in these last three games, which is always nice to see as well. And he's a returning Seahawk. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was – he was a signing. I was like, okay, that's that's cool. You know, him and Bruce are – I love Bruce. But, you know, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, hopefully they help, you know, veteran guys. And it was going to be cool to see Benson – in his second stint, because when he was first round, I mean, he never really stood out. He was kind of more of a depth guy, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's stepped up and, you know, it's, uh, like you said, good going into the playoffs there. Uh, one guy that normally has been mentioned the past few weeks as we head into the injury news segment, uh, Jamal Adams. Uh, he hurt his shoulder uh, in the game against the 49ers, but it was not the shoulder he injured against the Rams in week 10. It was his other one. Uh, Pete Carroll said that, he said on Sunday, right after the game, he said that early stuff from the trainers indicates he should play next week. That was on Sunday. Uh, as I said, southern shoulder. On Monday, uh, I guess Pete Carroll's got his radio show on Monday, so it's important to note that. Um, Pete Carroll was noncommittal about Adams' status. Um, and obviously, if you were watching the game on Sunday, you saw him. He looked, I mean, he looked pissed. Uh, it was pretty quiet, uh, and he seemed pretty reserved. And I kind of figured I was like, hey, you know, they were probably just not letting him go back out there just because they yeah. don't want him to get re-injured. And from my, what I read, Pete Carroll said that they just had to take his helmet away because he wanted to go out there and play. And, I, I mean, I love seeing that he wants to play. Love it. But, you know, sometimes you do get to say, hey, we don't want you hurt. We need you going into the playoffs here. Um, and something somebody noted was that after this win, Jamal was pretty radio silent on social media, which isn't good because he's usually a jubilant fellow. Um, but, I mean, it's only Monday. We really don't hear too much big stuff. Not, not, we don't really necessarily hear the big injury headlines the day after. I think it kind of takes a day or two. Um, but not having him would – I don't I, – I, I really, I don't think it's huge. I don't think the what what's bothering him's too big. I think just kind of whacking your shoulder when you've got two broken fingers probably doesn't help. Right. Um. So I'm sure like it's like, hey, we probably want to play this safe for after this year, and hopefully for next week. You know what I mean? Uh. So it's uh something to monitor. But, but, I mean, worst comes to worst, we have Ryan Neal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, if this guy can't go, Ryan Neal has proved to be serviceable, you know, throughout the year. Um, so, obviously, it's not – it's it's really cool to have that aspect uh, of Jamal Adams being able to play on the back end to rush the passer, being your leading sack, sack guy. Um, you know, but I, I'd rather play it safe and not mess with it. Um so yeah, uh, something something to note because right now Ben and I don't necessarily know what it is. Um, 
DT John Reed also left that game against the 49ers. He strained his oblique and he was said to be pretty sore after that game. And then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Rashad Penny was said to have had cramps in that week 17 game. And that's why he came out. Uh, Chris Carson came out of the game a multitude of times. Uh, one of those times was because he, uh, his earring got torn out of his ear and he was bleeding. Oh God, is that what that was? Yeah, maybe don't oh, wear earrings. No, when you're playing the most one of the most physical sports. In well, the world. I mean, the guy. Uh, if you watch that tackle, he got like speared at the end of it. I didn't uh, see which one it was. Yeah, it was like a pretty obvious. It should have been a penalty. <laughs> oh, mm, I think I remember. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, why is he all bloody? I was like, hmm. It was like right after Lockett's penalty, uh, where world the penalty on Lockett. Where he got uh, shoved out of bounds and then hit again. Oh yeah, huh? I should really get NFL Network. I will, I want to watch all the all twenty twos. Um, but yeah, so he should be fine. I mean, it was his hearing. I think he'll be good. I don't think that'll hold him out of the uh, playoff game here on Saturday. Uh, other stuff. Some that was very bizarre to me to wake up to on Sunday. Uh. The Detroit Lions are attempting to hire general manager John Schneider in order to fill their general manager role. And I mean, this partially concerned me just because I'm like, it was kind of like a knee jerk reaction. I was like, ah, shoot, (laughs) leave our general manager alone. (laughs) But from, I don't know. I really don't, I don't know. It's kind of difficult for me to see that happening. I mean, I feel like if, I would say I feel like if Green Bay called him, he would just because of his history there. But apparently, from what I was reading, he did get called by Green Bay at one point, and he said no. Uh, but it, it, it's something that uh, I think he even said it. Uh, John Schneider was asked on Sunday, I think, on NFL Network or something. Um, they asked him about it, and I guess he kind of laughed, and he said, you know, around this time of the year, those kind of things get talked about. But what's my thing was, is I guess his contract is up next year, I think. Um, and as much as there have been some decisions and some stuff like that, that I don't necessarily agree with, I think overall in his tenure here with Seattle, he has far outweighed any sort of cons that have come with the having him as a general manager. So it'd be really great if we just saw an extension that kind of had John Schneider and like just here forever. Yeah, I'd love to. He's not... He's not Pete Carroll. <clears throat> so I people who judge some of the miscues. Yeah, it's not all on him, but he's he's pulled off some pretty damn good magic. I mean, getting Carlos Dunlap, Dunlap and Quandre Diggs for basically a bag of lace chips. Um, I mean, being able to – the BJ Finney was signing was something I was intrigued about. And then for him to be bad and then to turn him around – and right. make him a pass rusher that's revitalized his pass rush, that's pretty damn good. And to get um, – uh, sorry, the year before with Clowney to get him for – who did we trade for him? Uh, Jeremy Lane, who didn't end up going up. there. Um, and then uh, – oh, shoot. Jacob Martin, who kind of quieted down, you know. Finally, after – That would have been great. Season. But just with Clowney's injuries and that stuff, that you know, that didn't turn out. But at the time, that was pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even in, in retrospect, 
I don't really have issues at. Yeah, like I said, the the pros with this guy outweigh the cons. So yeah. it's uh, something that's interesting, just a way with uh, how teams that don't make the playoffs, this is kind of their thing now. From now, it's like okay, we gotta look at coaches, we gotta look at GMs, you know. So that's something that pops up. And we'll hear stuff going forward, uh, like the next one about Brian Schottenheimer being considered for the Jets and Texans head coaching positions. Right. Uh, as well as a couple of uh, front office guys from the Seahawks being looked at for GM positions. Um, I mean, that's just something that's going to be talked about uh, because people are going to be interviewed and they're going to look. They're like, everybody wants to find – I mean, it's a copycat league. They want to find guys like Sean McVay or – you know, other guys like that who have been in different positions. Uh, they they, they want to hit the – they want to hit a home run. They want to just – maybe they get tired of looking at the same pool of guys, you know, like Marvin Lewis is out there, I think. And uh, I don't know if some of the offensive corners – Freddie coordinators. Kitchens. Oh, God. Uh, you know, so there's there's going to be talk, but sometimes most of it's just talk. Um, right so you know that's something to i mean keep your eye on but i wouldn't necessarily be too worried um once this this headline was really interesting to me because i'm sure we have a one view on it and the players have another but it it was it's kind of kind of interesting uh nflpa president jc treader is calling for the elimination of off-season practices such as mini camp and otas now this this is interesting because i'm sure a lot of guys for some, I'm sure for some players, it's one way. Um, uh, but then I'm sure others just like to have it. Right. I mean, what? why? Is it just for this season? Or are they thinking about doing it permanently? I think it was permanently. And I don't know why yeah, necessarily. Not- it was kind of interesting. I don't know. Because for some people, I think like they're like, like rookies and uh, undrafted right. guys. They like fringe players. They need kind of stuff like that, and they need like the time to adjust to being like you know in an entire in the NFL because college, you know, entirely different thing. Right, and also you mean you look at, uh, I don't know, you look at these guys who went from undrafted to pretty damn good, like Doug Baldwin. Would he have even ever gotten a chance if he didn't shine in a mini camp or mm-hmm. an OTA or something like that? You know what I mean, like. You can't just discount these things because the veterans don't practice in them. There's a reason the vets get the days off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's just kind of like difficult, I think, to get a one-way opinion on this because I don't think there's going to be a one-way opinion with the different players in the league. So, you know, that's something that I saw and I was like, hmm. I was like, you know – huh that's kind of weird but i'm like thinking i try to think about it on the player's standpoint i'm like i'm sure some guys would like this because i know a bunch of veteran guys just like don't participate in some of those or they don't yeah. report until the latest that they can like i remember marshawn didn't report till the late point of the uh offseason process for a, a bit uh cam chancellor you know a bunch of these guys just don't show up because they don't want to it's like because uh, i feel like it's like the first day for them like the first day of school, They're like, okay, this is cool. The same right. jibber jabber. Oh, I come in. And cause I think when we were at O'Day, we got to like show up like two hours earlier. I mean, later than everybody else. Cause the freshmen and all that had to get acquainted. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's like that for them. You know, there's like, okay, this is the same boring stuff. We don't really need to be here. 
mm-hmm. you know exactly. so i don't necessarily think those are gonna go away and they ought to not i really don't see the reason why you would yeah i you know but it probably has something to do with money yeah that might be a thing if they were like just for the 2021 season i'd be like yeah that makes sense because yeah. i mean not everyone will be vaccinated yet and want to minimize any sort of issue minimize the contact and the spread but like uh, outside of that i don't really get it yeah just kind of um interesting i'd say something that's uh i don't think we'll get a overwhelming response either way um i know i know i said i wouldn't do too much into the regular season stuff but i do want to do regular season stat leaders um Sort of a little wrap-up, Russell Wilson finished with 4,212 passing yards, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. What? Um, You're telling me Geno Smith wasn't our leading passer? I, I know. As much as we want, Bennett. What do we I know, As to? much as we call for it on Sundays. Uh, and a 105.1 rating, which it's it's frustrating to me knowing how much better those numbers could have been if he just continued the way that things were. But obviously, that's not the way shape, things shake out. Um, Chris Carson only had 681 yards rushing this year, five touchdowns, and only one fumble. Last year, I kind of was upset with how many fumbles he had. Only had one fumble. I was like, oh, look at that. And he didn't lose it. Apparently oh. got it back. So, you know, good for good for Chris. Um, I don't know if that uh, set line is necessarily enough to get you a top 10 running back money. But at the end of the day, I think these team, I think these two come back to each other. I think he's just too good of a fit for this offense. And I don't think other team's going to throw that much money at him uh, to sway him one way. So, you know, I mean, that that's, that's for off season. I will leave that for that uh, receiving. I'll do two guys. Cause two of them do need to be mentioned. I'm sorry. I, I won't talk about David Moore. Uh, DK Metcalf had 83 receptions, 1,303 yards and 10 TDs. Tyler Lockett had hundred receptions, uh, 1,054 yards and 10 TDs. So two really, like I said, I don't know if you've seen a duo like this in franchise history. No. Um, just, uh, it's exciting. Just to think about those two down the line with the quarterback that you got. Uh, tackles, who else but Bobby Wagner? Uh, 138 total tackles, 81 solo and three sacks. No defensive touchdowns this year for Bobby as much as I would have liked that. I don't think, do we have any defensive touchdowns this no, year? No, I looked at it. Not one. Terrible. Um, Jamal Adams, nine and a half sacks. I think our leading sack leader last year had three and a half. So big improvement. Um, and then interceptions, nothing too crazy. Uh, but Quandre Diggs had five interceptions, you know, uh, pretty solid guy that doesn't necessarily get as much talk as the other guys, but has been productive and solid ever since we traded for him. Um, and then my last little piece of information there, uh, in sort of terms of team news and all that. Uh, the 2021 opponents were revealed. The schedule isn't locked in. That won't be locked in until like March. Uh, but outside of the normal NFC West opponents, the Seahawks will face at home the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Tennessee Titans, and New Orleans Saints, which uh, that's no slouch of a home slate. That would be pretty raucous to see fans at those Titans and New Orleans games. New Orleans doesn't necessarily – have the best ah, they'll have a new quarterback by then anyways taste some hill taste some hill um and then on the road uh, uh this first name i don't like seeing 
on the road, they'll play the Packers, the Texans, the Colts, the Vikings, and they'll play the Washington football team again. Um, so, I mean, looking at those, I can go through them again if you want. Uh, but how many games, just looking at it now, out of the uh, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven, out of, oh, wait, huh? wait oh. a minute. Let Should me count 12. again. Hold on. Chuck's Did bad at counting. Lions? One, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The Are those ten games against non-NFC West opponents? Oh, sure. Okay. How many games do you think the team wins? I'm not excited for that Lambeau game. I'm really not excited. And, I mean, even at home, you're playing a Tennessee Titans team who's got a good running game. Right. Uh and a service of a quarterback with Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown, that'll be an exciting day. Um, and the Saints don't necessarily perform great up here, but that's, you know, it'll be interesting to see the quarterback situation. Um, and then on the road, you're playing in Energy Stadium again, which you haven't done since the Super Bowl year, I don't think. Uh, the Colts, you haven't played there since the Super Bowl year. Uh, the, the one you won. And then the Vikings, you'll be playing there in that stadium for the first time in the regular season. They played there in the preseason, I think, a couple of years ago. Then playing Washington again, which I think, personally, I think Washington's going to be good going forward. I think I think they need a, a, a quarterback of the future, but uh, I think they're going to be good going forward. So do you – do you just looking at those 10, do you want um, to put a number out of there out of 10? So my overall record for this next season, I think I have at about – 10 and 6 maybe 11 and 6 if we do end up playing the Steelers 11 which is oh. uh, which is the word on the street so i think we'll probably get most of our division i think we could go 6 and 4 out of those 10 i think that would be i don't disagree with that i think this is a pretty tough slate it's i mean really tough i mean and i think it's kind of obvious who those losses would come from the titans are pretty damn good uh, you look at the Packers, they're scary. Just in that state, I don't know so the last much. time they won in that stadium. I mean, would it be an absolute milestone and triumph to beat the uh, Packers? Yeah. But do I necessarily – I'm not confident going into that I just team. don't see it, yeah. And I think, like, we could lose to the Washington football team. We could lose to the Colts. There's your four losses. Uh, don't think we'd lose to the Texans. Don't think we'd lose to the Vikings. Uh, Vikings is the only one I'd switch out, like, the Walt, the Colts or the football team for. Saints, you know, you know, we don't know their cornerbacking situation. And mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like that's dependent on whatever our predictions that are, you know, a year in advance are going to be. Um, cause you look at like, you know, if it's Taysom Hill, I feel like we we're going to run him cause it's Taysom Hill and he's not a great quarterback. He's been riding the bench for a while. And he's been playing quarterback utility knife. I don't even know what the hell you want to call him at this point. Quarterback tight end. If you're ESPN, uh, fantasy, but <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't see that season being easy, but I also don't see it being alarmingly tough cause you have some of these gimmies like the lions and the, I mean, really the Niners next year too, unless they have another huge turnaround year. Uh, I know we're not talking about our divisionals, but Texans as well, because I mean their team is just in hell right now with how they've been run for the last couple of years. Yeah, and like like with 
it's difficult to look at Chicago because, I mean, if you sign Mitch Trubisky to an extension and you don't bring somebody in to challenge him, uh, I think that the Bears have had pieces. Like, they had a good defense. They had a really good defense a couple of years ago. Right. Um, and they've got Allen Robinson and David Montgomery's not bad. But, I mean, quarterback quarterback plays a huge part in that. Um, in Detroit, I don't. I think they're going to take a couple of years. I think – you you really need somebody to come and help you in there. Jacksonville, I think I think there are a couple teams here that are just a few years off. Chicago, right. Detroit, Jacksonville, Indianapolis depends. Indianapolis could be really really good if they had like if they had Andrew Luck right now, <laughs> they'd be pretty damn good. Um, oh, and Minnesota, I think they're in purgatory until they get rid of Kirk Cousins. I really don't think Minnesota is going to do anything until. Because Kirk Cousins, he's fine, but he's not going to get you to a championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. There's no way he gets you to an NFC championship game. I don't think there's any way he gets you to a Super Bowl. Um, and then Washington, you know, unless they get a rookie who's just comes in and immediately uh, produces, they might be a, a year or two away, you know, or maybe later in the season. But uh, it, it's uh, this season, this next season, I don't think it's going to be any easier. I think, I, yeah, I don't think there's any way it's any easier. Uh, but if if you bring, like, Shaquille back, right, and you get Carlos all set up, um, and just get these guys that we – the pieces that, you know, are helping us succeed primarily, you know what I mean? like guys like Carlos Dunlap and Shaquille Griffin, you know, obviously he's not top, you know, the top corner in the league, but he's, he's been a guy that contributes and I think he'll be back on a, a, a deal that helps the team. Cause I don't think after his year, he can, I I'm repeating myself from last week. I think um, I don't think he can ask for a deal. That's anything grip, anything better than that. Um, it'd be good to get, you know, more chemistry, uh, and you get Jamal fully healthy next year, you know. So um, I think the potential is re- really there to be able to not have an issue with some of these teams, but not everything comes into fruition, you know, in a football season. Things change over those 16 games. Um, oh, wait, with the 17 games, is that why you mentioned the Steelers? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's and that could come into play. So yeah, I mean, seventeen games. You know, things aren't always going to go to your way. Uh, so it's. Uh, I just think that you know, you get these guys. Uh, you get the same group, and you don't have to worry about guys getting familiar with each other. And, you know, I think you got a good secondary. You've got a pass rush, and hopefully, Daryl Taylor comes in next year and is able to help. You know, I think you've got a a team. I think you've got a team that I don't know if they're ready fully this year to uh win it all i think that if you get everybody healthy next year um and you get a kind of clicking like the way the defense is clicking right now and you get the offense clicking like the world in this season then you've got a super bowl team but that's you know that's a lot of what ifs and i don't i don't want to keep rambling on so uh yeah um i kind of agree with you there i think with i think six and four is a solid mark i don't think you are on the losing end of it of those 10 games, but I don't think you get too far on the winning end. Um, I haven't had, knock on wood, I haven't really had any big COVID uh, headlines over the past few weeks. That's been good. 
just uh, there's no playoff bubble. Uh, as we head into wildcard weekend, that was something that Roger Goodell kind of like immediately shot down as we got into these final weeks of the regular season. So that's not happening. Um, gonna head. Uh, the team finished the season 12 and four. Uh, I did peg them at 13 and three. I guess a one one game off. But, you know, uh, first in the NFC West and a three seed in the NFC. As we've said already, they play the Rams at home at 1.40 p.m. on Fox. And what I read today, Jared Goff's status for this game is in doubt. Oh. The report is that it will be challenging for him to play 12 days after thumb surgery, which is really interesting. Wolfman played okay. So if you don't know the story, John Wolfhard. John Wolford last played uh, before last Sunday. Uh, he last played professionally and starting like meaningful games. He played in uh, the AFL, which is two years ago. Um, so, you know, pretty interesting. And as Bennett kind of mentioned with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, the Rams aren't, I don't know what Daryl Henderson's situation is. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's looking pretty not, it's not like, like the Rams are in the clear, like they're going to be hundred percent ready to go. Uh, but I mean, on the other side of the ball, their defense is still going to be their defense. So, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see Jared Goff's status going forward. And if it's like challenging for him to play 12 days after thumb surgery, I wonder if he says, screw this, I'm playing. And, you know, risks just going out there and being a poop because his thumbs all messed up on uh, a throwing hand. Or if they just say, screw it, we're not going to risk your injury. We're just going to keep Wolford in there. So uh, that'll be something to pay attention to going into the week. Um, and then, so in the hypothetical that the Seahawks win this playoff game on wildcard weekend, knock on wood, as you can hear, uh, they'll go on to play the winner of the bears and saints game. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, obviously big weekend to get to play at home, which is always good. You know, normally, obviously the pandemic's different, but you know, I'm sure it helps with, uh, planning and, uh, preparation. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, with some big names uh, injured with Jerron Reed, Jamal Adams, and on the other side of the field uh, with Jared Goff. So uh, I do have one little tidbit of Mariner news. Uh, The MLB said that players will receive the vaccine when public health officials deem it appropriate, which makes sense. I mean, in no way, shape, or form should any sort of players be jumping ahead of lines for the, uh, the vaccine. Uh, nothing sound is related. Okay, this one I wanted to ask about. I didn't send it to you. I didn't prepare you for it. Um, I hope that doesn't uh, shiver your timbers. But um, Seattle Storm. So I guess King 5, the King 5 news station here in Seattle had a reporter's notebook 2020 year in review. Okay, year in review. That means like everything, you know. Uh, and the, the Kraken name review was mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. that's great. But the one team that won a championship, Seattle Storm were not mentioned at all. Holy shit. Come you, on, man. Do you have any thoughts on that before I say mine? Well, I mean, obviously, it's it, it's like... It's bad It's bad journalism. You're, yeah, you're it's, failing it's there. Like, it's not only like, okay, yeah, there's a social justice aspect of it, which it shouldn't be social justice. But it's like, what, and what I mean by that is you should treat this sport as you treat every other sport in the city. Yep. Especially when they've won the most championships. Especially when they've won the most championships ever out of any of our Because teams. it's not like it's not like it's a minor league. This is a 
professional women's basketball league. Yeah, it's and a the professional fact that you basketball don't league. It, period. The fact that you don't mention it, you're telling on yourself. Yeah, that's to me that's poor work. If you if King Five, if you need somebody to fill in, Bennett and I would have put that in there. <laughs> you know, it's it's I don't I don't know the guy's name. I don't care to know the person's name. It's that was poor. And if you have a notebook year in review, the one team that won a championship should have been mentioned. I'm sure the Sounders were mentioned. They lost. I'm sure the Mariners were mentioned. You know, I'm not being hard on these teams for a reason. I'm just saying, by comparison, these teams didn't do what the Storm did. Which is, you know, win a championship. Yeah, the the, the Storm won a championship in a pandemic, in a bubble, and while, you know, openly advocating for social justice. What part of that isn't worth mentioning? So that's that to me was just horseshit journalism, and honestly, was pretty fucking embarrassing. Take my swear words, but you know, at the end of the day, that's that's a failure right there, and it's embarrassing. So um, yeah, go storm. Uh, speaking of Seattle Kraken, I finally got that NHL calendar. I messed up. I did find it. Uh, so important dates to notice, and if you'd like, uh, you should join me in ordering a hockey for dummies book. I need to start. Uh, getting on top of that and learning what's going on. So July 17th is the deadline for protection lists for ex- the expansion draft at 2 p.m. Pacific time. I'm only start because there's, there's more to this than, um, than starting in July. There's a whole NHL calendar, but the only really parts that affect the Kraken are these ones that I'm mentioning. Um, so yeah, the deadline for protection lists for the expansion draft, all that is is every team in the NHL has to come up with a list of a certain number of players that they can protect from the expansion draft. Like if they, they have a certain amount of players that they can say, Hey, you can't draft this guy. He's staying on our team. And sadly, the rest of those players that get aren't protected are basically left to the crack and to select. Um, and those lists are due on the 17th of July at 2 PM Pacific uh, on the 21st of July, the expansion draft starts at 5 PM. On the 23rd, the first round of the 2021 NHL entry draft starts. Uh, on the 24th is rounds two through seven of that entry draft. And then on the 28th, free agency begins uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So those are all going to really show us from that midpoint of July towards the sort of uh, the end there of that month, we're going to see the majority of that Kraken team get built. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kid you not, last night I got on Amazon and I looked up Hockey for Dummies and I will more than <laughs> likely buy that book here pretty damn soon because I need to know what's going on. Um, so yeah, the expansion draft, we finally know when that's going to be. That's going to be on the 21st. I don't have any other information on when, you know, how long the lists for the expansion, uh, the protection lists get to be. Um so stuff like that. So that's something to uh, look forward to. July 21st is when we get to start p- poaching players off of other people's teams. <laughs> um, I don't really have too much in the way of Husky football. Um, we had some players uh, leave. Uh, backup quarterback Ethan Garbers transferred to UCLA, so we might potentially see him uh, play the Huskies here next year, depending on the way that you know, schedules roll out and all that sort of thing, obviously in the pandemic. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, and then, so we lost, we've lost three quarterbacks over the course um, of the year. Well, 
over 2020 to now. Um, Jacob Sermon left. Ethan Garbus left. I think Kevin Thompson left. And then former Nebraska and former Nebraska and Colorado State quarterback Patrick O'Brien transferred into UW after being in the transfer portal for two weeks, and he's only got one season left of college eligibility. So that was really interesting to me, considering that those guys that I mentioned who left earlier probably left because of the fact that Dylan Morris won the starting job this year, and the fact that five-star quarterback, um, oh shoot, I think it's Sam Heard, Sam Heard's coming in this upcoming year. Uh, so, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we see some O'Brien action, uh, this upcoming year, but, uh, he is transferred to UW, um, Ryan Bowman, fifth year senior offense, Oh, offensive outside linebacker, uh, will return for this, uh, year of 2021. And I think I mentioned last year that Kate Otten's returning. So a couple of big pieces are returning for the next year. Um, and then some all American honors, uh, Zion, Oh boy. Tupuola Fatui was named to the All-American team and the, the AP Top 25 All-American team and the Athletic CFB All-American team. Uh, uh, Elijah Molden was named the PFF Pac-12 Player of the Year as well as uh, named to the PFF College All-American team. Um, and then, oh boy. Oh, Itafan Alafoshio. I always have bad trouble with the names. Uh, who ranked number four in the nation in tackles per game was named to the PFF College All-American team. So good honors on those. Obviously a really difficult season when it was going to be a six-game season and then you only played four just with the way that things shook out. So, you know, difficult year. But, you know, the kids did what they had to do. Um, I just hate how that ended up. That was just such a mess. And I'm sure it was for the guys too. So, you know, difficult to hold it against anybody. Um, and men's basketball, <laughs> the, uh, the men's team lost Arizona 80 to 53, uh, Quade green had 23 points scoring. He led in scoring rebounds. Nate Roberts led with eight rebounds assists. Quade green had two assists. Yay. Team sits at one and seven, 12th in the pack 12. Yay. Not, uh, not a lot to look forward to, uh, in the men's men's basketball and the women's basketball has been better, but they're not, uh, performing it necessarily an immensely high level. Uh, let me take a small look, see here at who the team plays coming up, uh, on the men's side of the ball, but, uh, kind of a fall from last year. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with guys like Isaiah Stewart, um, leaving for the NBA, but you know, it's, uh, I'm sure some of it's coaching. You have to be able to get a, the you know the guys together that you've got and perform to an extent, you know. Um, but hey, that's it. Uh, the team plays on January seventh against Stanford uh, at six p.m. Um, wait a minute. Oh yeah, and then on Saturday the ninth at Cal at twelve p.m. and the next game is not till next Thursday. So. Uh, I don't. I don't think either of us have the most knowledge on the men's team, but here, the, okay. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, sixteen games left. Do you think the Huskies win more than four? No. We're gonna put. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I don't think the team over under. 
four win UW men's. No. All right. That will be hanging from my desk, and we will revisit it after March 6th when they play Wazoo, which I don't think they'll win. On uh, the women's division, um, they had games on the first and third. Uh, they lost to Colorado 60-53, to um, and they lost to Utah on the third, 84-61. So the team sits at four and five. You know, it's neither of the programs have had uh, the best of luck. Uh, kind of a fall from grace from the Kelsey Plum years. But, hey, you know, that's life. You don't win everything. Um, and that's all I've got for you. Um, sort of the main pieces to wrap up, Seahawks beat the 49ers in the week 17, and we'll play the Rams at Saturday, on Saturday. It's Saturday, not Sunday. So don't miss Saturday and then show up on Sunday and wonder what the hell happened. Um, don't really have anything coming out of the Mariners yet. And then poor reporting from King Five News Station's reporter, Reporter's Notebook, 2020 year in review. So, oh, and the Kraken's uh, expansion draft dates being revealed uh, late July. So, um, Bennett, do you have anything to leave us from the world of magical sports balls? No, this is a two-hour podcast. This is a long Did podcast. we get two hours? What? Yeah, we hit two. I, oh. I had to, I've had to leave for like 10 minutes now. <laughs> I did not notice that. I apologize. All right, it's let's okay. wrap it up. Um, have a good rest of your night and we will see you on next Tuesday. Baba Bowie.